welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to episode 158 of Wellness Your Way. If you are listening to this on the day it is released, happy Halloween to you. I hope you are celebrating in whatever way feels fun to you, and happy November starting tomorrow. I can't even believe it is the beginning of November, and this is the time. I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. This is the time that actually people make themselves super proud by sticking to their commitments. And unfortunately, those people that stick to their commitments, they are in the minority, but I want to help you today be one of those people in the minority who sticks to their commitments from now until the end of the year. And that does not mean perfection. You know, we are not about that here at the Lion's Share, but sticks to your commitments of things that make you feel good things that are working in alignment with your goals. It is not too late to work towards your 2023 goals or any goals that you have set. You still have two months of the year to really make yourself proud. So today in the veggies of the matter, the last and main segment, I'm going to re-air an episode from a couple of years ago where I talk about how to stick to your commitments that you make to yourself. It is such a powerful episode. I received amazing feedback on it the first time, and I'm really excited for you to listen to it today. So what are we going to do before that? First, we're going to talk about resistant starch. Now, if you've seen some of your friends eating cooked and cooled potatoes recently, you kind of thought they were off their rocker, you will want to hear this, some really interesting information about resistant starch. And even before we do that, I'm going to share a really fun project that I'm working on with your help through November. So today is the day before November 1st, but we're starting today. This campaign is a thank you campaign where you get the opportunity to have me donate $5 in your name to a charity of your choice just by writing one sentence. Pretty cool. So I'm about to air a little blurb about that. We'll pop into resistance starch and then keeping your commitments to yourself and you will be on your way. Let's dive in. Listen up, friends, because I'm about to ask you for a favor that I really care about and that can be so much fun for all of us. Now, you may have noticed if you've been a client or you've been listening to the podcast or been in a group program that I'm really not the best at asking for testimonials. And you all share so many amazing transformations with me, but I don't share them as much as I could. But this November, I have a fun way to collect some testimonials that I'm making into like a win-win-win. Here's the deal. If you go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash lions, thank you, L-Y-O-N-S, thank you. T 
T-H-A-N-K-Y-O-U, all lowercase. The link is in the show notes. You'll just answer a super quick survey. If you're a fast typer, you can do this in 60 seconds. There's really only one question, which is to share a success that you've had with help from the lion's share in any way. One-to-one support, lab testing, group programs, podcasts, blogs, social media, presentations, you name it. Anything goes and no success is too small. If you're drinking more water, I totally want to hear it. If you fit into your pre-baby pants, I totally want to hear it. If your digestive issues are a thing of the past, I definitely want to hear it. If you've healed your emotional relationship with your body and your food, I certainly want to hear it. And to thank you for thanking me, I want to thank you again. For every person who submits a testimonial of any kind, I will donate $5 to a charity of your choice. I've been sourcing some suggestions for charities on Instagram, so you'll get to select from a list of options at the end of the survey. Simple. You just write one sentence, I donate $5, boom. I am really hoping to get up to a $1,000 donation from the lion's share by Thanksgiving, and you can help me make that happen. And I'll be totally honest, you're helping me in many ways. It does boost my business, but it really means a lot to me personally. This job can honestly feel a little lonely sometimes, and there's no boss to give me feedback to tell me if I'm doing well. I speak the podcast into a blank screen, and while I kind of know you're listening because I see the numbers of the downloads, I really don't get to hear from you. So please, help me by celebrating yourselves, and let's help the world together. Just go to bit.ly slash lions thank you, all lowercase, the link is in the show notes. Go right now so you don't forget. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, friends, it's time for health news you can use. And resistant starch has been kind of a hot topic in the nutrition world for a few years now. When I first heard it, I thought it would turn out to be one of the many unfounded trends that are not based in science. Most of them honestly go that way. So I was skeptical at the beginning, but this one turned out to be true. And so for a while now, I've recommended to people with various gut issues to focus on getting some resistant starch in their diet. Resistant starch is a type of non-digestible fiber that ferments in the colon and creates some downstream positive effects. Now, today's study actually shows the benefit of resistant starch on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I'm sharing it because... As we've discussed, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD, is really on the rise these days. And I'll link to my episode on NAFLD in the show notes, so you can listen to that one as well if you're concerned about this. But even if you don't have NAFLD, listen up to learn about resistant starch and why you might want to include it. First, what even is resistant starch? As I mentioned, it's a type of carbohydrate, a type of fiber that is undigestible. So it ferments in the colon and the good bacteria in your colon eat it and their byproduct of eating it is to produce short chain fatty acids, which are really good fuel for your colon. Now, if little guys sitting in your colon eating fermented food and 
pooping out good stuff for you is kind of trippy for you, just hang on. We're about to get even weirder. So this resistant starch has been shown or has shown benefits for insulin resistance, gut health, constipation, so much more, which is why I've already been using it in my practice. But in the study we're reviewing today, which was published in the journal Cell Metabolism on September 25th of 2023, The researchers took 200 patients, so small sample size, but 200 patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease divided them in half, and they all ate the same healthy diet, but one group got a drink with 20 grams of resistant starch to drink twice a day before their meals, before two meals of their day, and the other group just got a placebo. So it tasted the same, it looked the same, it smelled the same, but it didn't have resistant starch in there. And after four months, so good amount of time, but we can be patient. After four months, the participants who received the resistant starch had 40% lower liver triglyceride levels compared to people in the control group. This is huge. 40% is giant. Now, the patients who had the resistant starch treatment, they also saw reductions in liver enzymes. So if you've done lab work with me, guarantee we've run your ALT and AST in addition to probably several other liver factors. These are some of your major liver enzymes that are relatively easy to test. So people who got resistant starch lowered those. They also lowered inflammatory factors associated with NAFLD. These were really cool results. Now, here's where it gets a little trippy. The researchers just wanted to make sure they understood the exact mechanism of action of the re- of the resistant starch. So they tested the patient's stool samples and they isolated a particular strain of bacteria that was different in the patients who got the resistant starch and those who didn't. And so they attributed the difference to this specific strain of bacteria. But just to be sure, they did a fecal microbial transfer. So basically like a poop transfer. They took some of the human patient's poop and put it into mice, subjects who were mice. And uh, I know this gets a little odd, but it's actually really cool. So when the team transported the fecal microbiota, the the bacteria uh, in the stool from the patients, the human patients who got resistant starch to the mice, Even though the mice were fed with a high-fat, high-cholesterol diet, they still saw a significant reduction in their liver weight and their liver triglycerides and their uh, liver tissue grading, which is a, a measure of how healthy the liver tissue is, versus those mice that got the stool transfer from the control group. So now... They have seen the improvements in the human's liver enzymes. They have seen the improvements in the human stool samples, and they've transferred the stool into mice and replicated the results in these mice, which is like all kinds of crazy and really cool how detailed these experiments get. It's a really great reason in my mind. You don't have to do any of these crazy experiments on your own. Please don't. Uh, But it's a really good reason to get some resistant starch into your diet today. So how do you do that? Rice or potatoes that have been cooked and then cooled, they create resistant starch. So even if you heat them back up again a second time, they the cooling process of a cooked potato or cooked rice, that's what creates the resistant starch. So if you've ever noticed cooked and cooled rice gets a little bit uh, gummier, stickier, slightly different texture, that is the resistant starch and that's the good stuff for you. 
Some grains like barley and oats have a little resistant starch. Plantains or green bananas have resistant starch. Beans and lentils do as well. You can also take a resistant starch powder and add it to smoothies or anything else. I'll link to one of those that I like in the show notes. How about that for health news you can use? I hope you enjoyed. Now on to the veggies of the matter. It is time for the veggies of the matter. And today we're talking about how to stick to your commitments to yourself. So let me ask you, does it ever puzzle you that you can't or maybe you just don't uphold your commitments to yourself even when you really want to do the thing you're committing to? It doesn't really seem to make sense if we think about it. I mean, if you committed to doing something totally miserable like uh, sticking your toothbrush in the trash can and rubbing it all around and then brushing your teeth and then when the time came you didn't do it, I would totally get that. That makes sense to me. You probably didn't even want to do it when you committed to it. You definitely didn't want to do it when it came time to brush your teeth with that toothbrush. But what about those things that we really do believe are best for us? Let's say on January 1st, we commit to meditating three times per week, and we actually really enjoy the process of meditating, and we really, really want to feel more centered and less frantic, but yet we still don't manage to make it happen. Why do we do that? Believe it or not, this has a name, and it's called acrasia, acrasia, A-K-R-A-S-I-A. This is going to be one of those that you want to forget really quickly, but I want you to remember acrasia. This means, uh, via Wikipedia, it means a lack of self-control or the state of acting against one's own better judgment. It's been mentioned as far back as Plato, Socrates, some versions of the Bible. So it's really been haunting us for a long time, this acrasia thing. I want to tell you about an interesting study that uh, shows that we assume we'll have more willpower or less acrasia in the future. This study investigated people's online grocery delivery orders, and it showed, it's kind of funny, that those who ordered for delivery tomorrow, they ordered more of the want items like the ice cream and the chocolate and the chips, and they ordered fewer of the, quote, should items like the vegetables. Now, if you know me, you know I don't like the word should, but I'm using the word from their study, so it's just going to happen today. Um, They ordered fewer of the items like vegetables. Now, those who placed an order for delivery in a week, like it's Monday and I'm delivering for next Sunday, they ordered far more vegetables and less ice cream. It's like they were saying, oh, of course, by next week, I'll be able to stick to the foods that make me feel great. Yeah, I want the ice cream right now for tomorrow. But next week, I'm sure in the future, I'll definitely want the veggies. So if that rings a bell, you're going to want to listen up for my tips on how to reduce acrasia and actually stick to the commitments that you make to yourself. I've got 10 of them here, and I don't need you to do all 10. I just need you to listen up and see what you think would work for you and commit to a few of these. The first part of this is to set reasonable commitments. Reasonable. I like dream goals, D-R-E-A-M, which is dated, realistic, 
energizing, attainable, or action-oriented, and measurable. Uh, But it's kind of the same as SMART goals. It's just adding the energizing bit in there, which I think is important. If you haven't been to the gym in a year, though, committing to going five times per week is just not reasonable. Not yet, at least. You can totally do that in the future, but not for right now. So I want to make sure that your goals are reasonable so that when you commit to something, you are committing to something you absolutely can achieve. And that leads us into the second piece, the second tip, which is to build credibility with yourself. I want you to think about your credibility with other people. And I know that you're amazing because you're listening to this. So you're probably not the kind of person that regularly just makes coffee dates with people and stands them up or makes appointments with your colleagues and doesn't go or doesn't turn in things for which you have a deadline or whatever. You're probably not that person. But you might not have the same credibility with yourself. In general, we live up to our commitments to other people because we want to retain credibility with them, but we don't think about credibility for with ourselves. I savor my credibility with myself just as much. I consider saying yes to myself a contract. So when I make a commitment to myself that I know I won't keep, like I am going to run 10 miles every single day, or I'm going to not eat chocolate for the next year or whatever, I remember that this is not reasonable and this is uh detracting from the credibility I have with myself. So I don't make that commitment. Credibility with myself is just like a deposit into the bank. Every time I live up to my commitment, I add in, I deposit into the bank. And that makes it so that every once in a while, if I withdraw, it's okay. It's okay. But if I'm only withdrawing and not depositing, I'm going to be in trouble. So I take this seriously. When I say yes to myself, it's a contract. It is adding into that deposit into my self-credibility bank account, and I take it very seriously. The next tip here, tip number three, is to play calendar Tetris. So if you see my calendar, you would see that everything is in my calendar. My food prep, my exercise, my personal commitments, folding the laundry, like going to bed, all of these things are in my calendar. In fact, I am recording this a week before you hear it on October 13th, and earlier today I had a meeting with McKinsey, a Lionshare teammate, who asked me about a project that's coming up, and I told her, oh yeah, I'm going to work on that piece of the deliverable on November 5th at 11 a.m. Now, that is three and a half weeks from today, and I think her eyes just about popped out of her head because it's not an appointment with someone else. There's no, quote, reason for me to have it on my calendar. It could be done at any time. So why do I know exactly when I will do it? Because when I say I'm going to do something, I put it in my calendar right then. I treat it as any other appointment. Otherwise, we all have so many responsibilities. Life gets in the way. There are a jillion potential to-dos, and it's likely to get lost in a sea of all of these to-dos or to come up right behind the deadline, and then it stresses me out unnecessarily because I already have a super full day that day. So instead, I place everything on my calendar, and then if it needs to get moved, no problem. Play calendar test. Tetris. Move that around, but block everything in so that you are able to retain reasonable commitments to yourself. 
Next trick I do is let's say I have a day of a bunch of appointments um, and in between there I know there are five things I need to get done. Now it would be easy to just go on with the appointments and forget these to-dos. So I actually write each one on a post-it note and I stick it on my desk so that it's staring me in the face all day. And as soon as I complete a task, I'll just take off the post-it note and recycle it. And if you are one of those people who just loves crossing things off a to-do list, let me tell you, Taking a post-it note off your desk is even more gratifying because you're getting closer and closer to a clean desk. You're getting to physically remove something. It just feels so good. So that's a way to make sure it doesn't get lost in a sea of other commitments. Tip number five is to keep a recurring to-do list. So I keep a special kind of to-do list that I'll talk about on a future podcast, Uh, but every single week I carry over the long-term items that didn't get uh, accomplished. So this year, for example, this is going to be totally mortifying to some of you, but it's true. I bought one of my good friends, Erica, a Christmas present at Christmas time in December 2019, and I didn't actually give her the gift until August. Yes, I can blame some of this on coronavirus, but honestly, kind of just is what it is. And so every single week, literally every single week from December 25th, 2019 until August, whatever I gave her the gift on, I had written that on my to-do list, exchange Christmas presents with Erica every single week on my to-do list. I rewrite my to-do list every week. And this got so annoying that eventually I just drove over to her house, dropped off the gift, even though we had talked about meeting up and exchanging them. That act made us find a time to meet up and exchange them. So sometimes as I write things over and over and over again, I just get so frustrated that I end up doing it, which is good. And sometimes, honestly, I get so frustrated that I end up crossing it off and realizing it's just not a priority anymore, which is also a win. That's great. But keeping this recurring to-do list really helps me uh, stay on top of those commitments and achieve the things I want to do. Tip number six is my least favorite of all of them, just to be honest, but it works so well for a lot of people, and it is to use a commitment device. So a commitment device is a system that makes it easier to do what you say you want to do. So the classic example is if you want to go to the gym, even if you totally know what you're doing, you might hire a personal trainer to show up just for that accountability. Or if you want to limit social media time, you use an app that blocks it. Or if you want to limit your spending, you cut up your credit cards and you only use your debit cards or cash. Now, I like the other nine tips because I like to work on intrinsic motivation and teaching yourself without relying on an outside commitment device. But I have to say these commitment devices are pretty nice at the beginning as you're easing into this stuff. So if that works for you, use it. Tip number seven is to continuously measure your progress. Those of you who follow me on Instagram know that I am always tracking my yearly goals. Every single Sunday, I review my progress towards my yearly goals. And even though I don't hit every goal every week, I'm fine with that because measuring consistently reminds me of where I am, where I need to refocus. Just make sure that I hit those long-term goals. So measuring progress consistently. Next tip is how you talk to yourself about all of this. And the key here is to commit to your goals. Don't just hope or wish or want or think you're going to do something. When I make a commitment to myself, I commit. 
I don't say I'd like to get fit or I really hope I meal plan every Sunday. I either commit or I don't. And when I commit, I use that strong language every single time I'm talking to myself. I will do this, not I want to do this. I take action. I don't hope. The language that you use with yourself really matters. Tip number nine is to think about your why. Your why is your deep-seated, powerful, really strong emotional reason behind what you are doing. And I'm going to post or I'm going to link to a really old blog post from 2014, but still relevant about how I uh, recommend finding your why. So if your why is something with should in it, that's not motivating. Or if it's something that Megan said or I read in a magazine or something like that, that's not motivated motivating. We need a really deep reason to stay motivated to do these things, something that feels energizing and inspiring and empowering. That is your why. The very last tip here is to have a non-negotiable backup, and I talked about this a little bit in last week's episode on morning routines, but look, you're human. I'm human too, and even when we have the best laid plans, sometimes they don't work out perfectly. So for every commitment I make, I have a non-negotiable backup. Like I said before, I aim to do my morning routine daily, and I do it. 99 times out of 100. But some mornings, if I, if, you know, things get crazy, (laughs) I have a non-negotiable backup, which is several deep breaths and three things I'm grateful for. Every single day, no matter what, that I am alive, I can do those things. I can think in my head of three things I'm grateful for, and that is my non-negotiable. So I do have these aspirational big goals, but I always have this non-negotiable to back it up so that I retain that commitment to myself. I put a deposit into my bank, my self-commitment bank, no matter what. I hope these 10 tips helped on how to uh, keep commitments to yourself, and I look forward to hearing about your commitments to yourself. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.